Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I am your host, James McLean. This week it's a little bit different. We normally do a little like intro before I, we, before we bring in our guests, but this is different into the sense that we have a return guest. And I really wanted to bring in my friend Chris Martin, who is releasing a new book, The Wolf in Their Pockets, about social media. I really wanted to bring him back because our audience knows how I feel about social media. Uh, we did an extended series last year on the podcast about social media. And so when I found out he was releasing this book, I wanted to be one of the first people to be able to uh, interview him and, and share this information. So I'm really excited to bring back to the stage our good friend and author, uh, Chris Martin. Chris, how are you doing Hello. today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. I know you're excited. You've got a book coming out. Uh, tell us about, well, first off, our audience may, some of them may be new. Uh, just give them a brief introduction of who you are and, and your background. Sure. So my name is Chris Martin. I um, spent seven years of my career working at Lifeway Christian Resources, running social media and a handful of other online content projects there. Um, the last three or so years, I've been at Moody Publishers based out of Chicago. And there I help uh, edit some of our books for theology and things like that. And then also um, run a website called Bible to Life, uh, which is kind of our attempt to extend our work as a publisher um, not away from books, but beyond books to uh, helping people who are searching for biblical trustworthy resources on the internet, um, particularly going after folks who are, who are searching in Google and maybe coming across less than trustworthy answers to their questions. We, um, in my day-to-day -day job, like what I spend most of my time doing is creating online resources to help people who are looking for answers to faith questions and pulling that content from our books and, and just helping pair them up with trustworthy answers rather than some of the more dubious ones they'll be able to find elsewhere. So that's what I do like for a day job. Um, I'm also a writer. I've been writing on the internet, gosh, for far too long since I was in middle school and, um, uh, you know, was blogging all through middle school, high school, college, uh, started writing more professionally once I graduated from college and, um, started a newsletter about social media and our relationship with it in like late 2019, early 2020. Um, and that's called terms of service. Uh, you can find it at terms of service.social. And, um, I write there twice a week, been doing that for a number of years now. And, um, there was a one book born out of that just about a year ago. And that's when we first talked about just about a year ago, uh, called terms of service, uh, really based out of the heart of the newsletter. The way I describe terms of service, the book, is it's meant to be like a mirror book. Uh, it's meant to mm -hmm. ask the reader to reflect on their own relationship with social media and say, hey, what's my relationship with social media and how is that affecting my heart, my mind, my soul? Um, and then uh, that, as soon as I was done writing that, before it even came out, um, I was like, man, I, I think I have another book in me on this and I think it should probably be more for leaders specifically. And because I had heard from a number of leaders throughout the writing process on the first one, um, and then certainly once Terms of Service released a year ago, some of the most frequent feedback I was getting 
was from leaders who wanted a sort of leader specific resource for leading in a social media age. And so I said, you know what, you're right. Started writing that one pretty quickly after that. And um, yeah, it's funny. I was just telling you, I think before we started recording that this book has been finished for like a long time for me. So the fact that it's like just now releasing, um, you know, it's been something I've been working on for almost a year and a half, two years. And so um, this is called the wolf in their pockets. And it's where terms of service is more of like a mirror book. Um, this one is meant to be more, if you want to continue the metaphor or the image, like a magnifying glass, like this book is more, what are the people, what is the relationship that the people I lead have with social media and how do I best lead them as they have a relationship with social media? And so this one is less reflective, less, less personal, more really like the way I've described it is like, this isn't even really a social media book. This is a leadership and discipleship book that manages to be about social media. Um, so this is as much about leading people, discipling people. Uh, this could be for a pastor or a parent or a lay church leader, frankly, even like a Christian business leader. Um, and it's kind of like, hey, the people I lead, the people I care about, the people I disciple are clearly being shaped by social media more than anything else. How do I lead them with that in mind? And so this book is a much more practical tool on, on how to lead well when social media seems to be leading your people more than you are. Why do you think this book is needed now? Why, why is this something that we should rush to Amazon and, and pull in? Why, do, why is this needed now? Frankly, this book was needed like 10 years ago. Um, and I don't <laughs> know why it hasn't been written. Uh, so I, this book is needed now because, um, I mean, I can only, I think I spoke to like two or three dozen pastors and lay church leaders as I was writing this. And when I was asking them, when I was talking to them, it was clear to me, and it's become even more clear since I finished writing, that the biggest kind of unknown, the biggest area of pastors, pastoral work that feels like a void to them, that feels like something they can't quite grasp, they can't quite mm. lead effectively through, is their congregants' relationship with social media. Um, and like I said, this isn't just a book for pastors. I think it applies to parents and stuff too. But what we yeah. have, what I've recognized, what I've recognized, people who are actually working with youth as well. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, student ministry leaders are probably the the loudest voices I've heard on the subject. Yeah. Um, and so what I've gathered is, uh, along with maybe a couple other topics today, leaders' biggest hindrance to leading effectively in their mind is that they don't know how to influence the people they lead more than social media is influencing the people they lead. And so they try to say, hey, do this, don't do this. Here's how you can you know, follow Jesus more closely. Here's how you can uh, further yourself in your career more effectively or whatever, whatever you, whatever have you, like whatever you think. And however they're trying to lead, they feel like they, they're having to shout over top of how social media is influencing the people that they're trying to lead. And so what this is meant to do, this book is kind of meant to equip leaders to not feel like they have to shout over social media, but how to kind of loosen the grip that social media has on the people that they care about and, and allow them to lead and disciple more effectively. And so that's why I think this book is needed is because one of the biggest pain points I've heard from leaders in the last five or six years is my people are being shaped more by Facebook than by me. What do I do about that? Right. And for youth and for the standpoint of who we are generating, they're being shaped more by TikTok uh, and, sure. and really snap than, than they are any other aspect of it uh, going forward with it. 
in one of your newsletters recently, it just, it really evolved me where you were quoting someone who were talking about the the rise in mental health problems, correlating with, with Instagram, um, being bought by Facebook around what, 2012, that, 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 that we're now seeing that there really is not just a correlation between when, uh, uh, youth mental health has started on the increase and the rise of social media, social media. But we're beginning to say that this, there is a definite cause and effect uh, relationship going on here. I'm just going to throw that out there and see where you go on that, because I, I have had arguments, very, very polite arguments, but arguments nevertheless with people that say, no, no, there's no really cause and effect with youth that that have going this. And I'm like, Guys, we, we've we've got to face facts that there is something here, and we need to be a parent. Yeah, Jonathan Haidt is a social psychologist at New York University, um, and he's he's one of the most well respected and well known social psychologists in the world, uh, certainly in the country. And um, he has been very concerned with the precipitous decline in mental in the mental health of teenage girls uh, in the West in mm-hmm. general, in America specifically for. Gosh, five or six years now, he's been he's been keeping tabs on this research because study after study continues to show that there is a massive mental health epidemic among teenage girls in the global West and in the United States in particular. And he has long theorized that social media is the primary cause of that. But he hasn't been able to. You know, I don't I'm not a researcher or a psychologist, so I don't know enough about what the preponderant, what level of evidence you need to go from. There's a correlation to a causation. I don't know what that threshold is, um, but someone like Jonathan Haidt knows what that threshold is. And Jonathan Haidt has concluded since the CDC just released their biannual youth risk behavior survey um, that showed that most teen girls, 57% of teen girls now say that they they experience persistent sadness or hopelessness, which is up from 36% in 2011. And 30% of teen girls now say they have seriously considered suicide, which is up from 19% in 2011. Mental health among teen girls is in a horrible position. And there's further data and, and studies that Jonathan Haidt cites in this article he wrote at the end of February when he says we can now draw a causative relationship between yeah. social media use and teenage girls' mental health. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful. I mean, it's sad, but I'm grateful that um, someone like him is willing to put his, and surely people will disagree with him. And that, that always happens in these things and that's fine. Um, but I'm really grateful that someone like him is willing to put his reputation on the line effectively and say, okay, we can now draw a causative relationship here rather than just a correlative one, because I think that will go a long way toward maybe waking some parents up to this because there, you know, there's some, social media platforms are on the hook for a lot of this because they they're not protecting teenagers as much as they should be but parents are on the hook now, too. They're, they're, um, and then and the bottom line they're just looking to make a dollar i mean we exactly, don't need to think that exactly. they're there to expand people's connectivity between each other that might have been their original intent but it is far gone beyond that as we get into yeah. stakeholders and if if you, if you talk to many parents of teenagers they will tell you that they feel like they're more more often at war with these platforms over their teenagers mental health than partnered with these platforms when it comes to their teenagers mental health and mm-hmm. you're exactly right like the, these platforms are responsible to some degree but parents are too and my hope is that this data will help maybe wake some parents up 
um, if, if it gets enough publicity and things, uh, wake some parents up to, hey, maybe maybe it wasn't smart to let my 14-year-old daughter hop on Instagram right away. Um, what can I do about that? How can I, maybe, maybe I can't unring that bell, but is there something I can do to help mitigate some of the negative effects that may come as a result of that? And at the same time, maybe this will help put some pressure, some governmental pressure, some uh, other social pressure on these platforms to start taking real legitimate action beyond this sort of surface level things they've done to start helping teenagers, uh, particularly teenage girls, uh, protect their mental health as they engage on these platforms. And I wish it was just uh, young girls getting on at age 14, but from my own experience and own interaction, 14 is, is that's peripherated by 14. We're we're talking 10, 11. I have a girl who's going to turn 13. Well, uh, about the same time your book is released. She's going to be turning 13 and stuff. And her friends, now she's in the seventh grade, her friends, many of them have had it for two years. And I'm like, listen, this, this, it, you know, what are you parents doing to this? Oh, they're going to use it anyway. But in this backdrop of that, we know that mental health is rising. We, we can see now that there is a cause and effect relationship on this. How can we, as those who are working with youth, lead them better. How can we use, you know, within their pockets as a tool to equip us with the knowledge we need to be able to, to help youth? Because I'm just so concerned about this. I, uh, and I don't see, you mentioned government intervention. I don't see government really doing anything until there is an event that gains such national press that they are forced to. And I don't want it to ha- be that because that kind sure. of event is going to be something tragic and, and someone's yeah. going to be suffering. And But that's what moves government to do stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. This is a hard question to answer because I don't know, like every parent and every family is so different um, that, Generally, like what could parents do? If, you know, um, I would say seriously count the cost of letting your teenager get on these platforms. I mean, first of all, most of them, most of them don't even, you know, basically you have to lie to get on the platform if you're under 13. Yeah. So even the pl- gosh, if the platforms themselves are saying don't get on this until you're 13, that like that should that should communicate something to parents. Um, but but like frankly, the first thing that has to happen is parents have to care, man. Um, a book like mine is going to be useless to a parent if they just don't care. Um, and so I, I don't know. I don't genuinely don't know if many parents count the cost of their kid being on social media. I, and you know, why? I, honestly, my totally honest opinion is that the parents are probably so addicted to social media that they don't see the negative side effects for their kids because they're not even seeing the negative side effects for themselves. Um, yeah, and, and it's so almost it, like one of those things where they really can't say to a kid, "Don't, yep, don't do this. This is bad for you. You know, do as I say, not as I do." Type of thing, which yep. is always, you know, that's a parenting thing that's always been there before it was smoking, yeah. and alcohol, and now we've moved yeah. into something that's even more subtly addictive, and yep. maybe long term even more harmful. We'll, we'll have to, yeah. See. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's really hard to tell your kid to put their phone down at the table if you're scrolling Facebook the whole time you're eating dinner. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think exactly. parents are afraid. I think parents are afraid to give up their relationship with social media and, and look like hypocrites. And so they just don't say a whole lot to their kids. I really do think that that's a huge factor. And so I think that um, if parents really care about the, their kids, they will reconsider 
and and consider seriously the relationship that they let their kids have with social media. Now, again, that may not be a zero relationship with social media. I'm not here to say that you should never allow your kid on social media because I've said this many times because this is one of the, you can imagine as like I work in student ministry at my local church. I speak to parent groups pretty frequently. The most common question I get is when should I let my kid be on social media? And you may think based on the fact that I'm writing this book about how you know, social media is a wolf in people's pockets that I would say, never, never let your kid on social media. And like, I think that's a fine decision. Um, but really, I think as a parent, you're just choosing which set of problems you want to have. It's not like either route is without its issues. Because if you let your kid on social media, the problems there are obvious to a lot of us. Yeah. Um, they may engage in consuming content they shouldn't be, posting and sharing content they shouldn't be, um, all, all kinds of negative side effects. You know, they could be preyed upon by an adult somewhere else. They yeah. don't know. All kinds of negative effects that come with letting a kid on social media. And a, and a lot of parents recognize that and say, you're never going to be on that. However, there is a cost to not letting your kid be on social media. The, the level of social ostracization and bullying that truly happens among teenagers who are not allowed to be on Snapchat or Instagram and therefore not be a part of a lot of like group chat and, and kind of like imagine lunch table like discussions that are taking place on these platforms, um, you know, in the, in the out of school hours and during school, but especially, you know, in the evenings and on the weekends, then they're left out. They're socially ostracized. Um, and I, I, I've heard many stories of kids getting bullied for not having various social media platforms. Now, wow. as a parent, you may be tempted to say, well, that's ridiculous. Just get a new just get new friends like, OK, you go back, mom, and try to make new friends at school again. You know, it's just like it's not that easy. I can't just like drop my friends and go find new ones who don't use social media because most most teenagers do. Yeah, and so, so that's I the think thing, they, if we treat it like the addictive stuff like alcohol and drugs, it was easy back in my day for a parent to say, don't hang out with those people. But, right. but you could find segments in your school setting, in the school culture that were not engaging there. Where are those segments now? I mean, you're right. You right. may have had 40 percent of the school that were doing the rough, mad stuff. I'm making that number up. That is not a factual sure. statement, people. but. Now, there's not that. It's such a great level. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, that is. Yeah. And, and, and so, like, it's like, do you want to be having a hard conversation about why your kid, why you have to take Instagram away from your kid? Or do you want to be having a hard conversation about uh, bullying and being made fun of with your kid because they don't have Instagram? It One of those two things is going to happen. So, it, so all of that's to say is that's like a lot of people. I'll say, well, there's not an easy answer when they ask me. And they're like, oh, you're punting. Like, just answer the question. I'm like, no, really. Like, I really think there is – it's similar to, like, the school choice question. You know, for a long – a lot of people have very strong opinions about homeschool, private school, public school. Every every choice comes with its own set of problems. It's just a matter of which set of problems do you want to deal with. Um, do you want to deal with, you know – you know, uh, things that people are doing and learning at public school, or do you want to deal with having to get your kid in more social settings because at home they aren't, you know, it's a similar kind of conversation with social media. Um, you're just having to choose as a parent. Do I want to counsel a kid who's being bullied or count or, or have to counsel a kid who's coming across content? Maybe they shouldn't be. And so, um, I just think as a parent, the biggest the biggest thing that I would say, I, I, not, I'm not a parent of a teenager myself, but I've been working with students for over a decade. So I, I'm very familiar with with what this culture and this atmosphere is like. Um, my biggest 
plea for parents is to just be thoughtful, like be intentional, whatever decision you make, think about it and, and be ready. Um, my dad works in data security, um, and has for basically my whole life, uh, helping companies protect their customer data, health, 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 you know, data, all of that. And, um, he's, he often says that his conversations with these companies is less about preventing something, you know, a data breach from happening and more about um, how to respond when a data breach does happen because hackers often outpace the defense against the hackers. Yeah. The similar situation here where I just always encourage parents um, prepare as much for responding to a crisis related to social media with your kids rather than trying to prevent it altogether because a crisis is surely going to come. Whether it's something as lighthearted, if you want to call it that, as you know, some bullying that takes place or they get into some serious content or whatever that they shouldn't, um, there's likely going to be a hard conversation you're going to have. And if you're going to hand the keys over to, to social media, just go ahead and prepare for those hard conversations as soon as you hand the keys over. Yeah, it's it. The cat's out of the bag as far as social media goes. It's hard going to be put it back in unless we have some kind of government body that clamps down on some level. But parents are going to have to learn how to manage it. Uh, and I get those same questions that you get, Chris. Hey, when should I let them have it? Or, 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 or even a better question that I've had, and this one's a hard one, is so I, I want to introduce it to them slowly. Which app, which social media platform should they start with? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, it's like been asking in, in the, you know, when I was growing up, okay, which flavor of cigarette do I let my kids start? Right. With? Do, <laughs> do right. I let them chew tobacco before or dip right, before right. they do this? Uh, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah, right. I, I have my own personal opinion on, on how yeah. I rank them, but uh, do you get that question? I don't, gosh, and I'm glad I don't because I'm sitting here racking my brain as to how I would answer that, and I don't even know how I would answer that question because it, each one is racked with its own problems. I suppose I would maybe go for Instagram first, but I don't even feel super great about that. Um, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I, mean, I can't when say you how think I about, that. When you think about Instagram, think say, so, oh, it's just – Instagram in, in some ways is less censored than yeah. TikTok is. Sure. There are things that Instagram will allow on their reels that TikTok and people will get pushed back on that when I say that. And I'm like, yeah. no, really go to it and watch. There are things that TikTok it obviously has that addictive quality, that motion, sure. that video, that engaging. Um, you know, it, but. <laughs> It's, it's, I've been asked that before and I, and I was yeah. like, I, my, my response is, is that I would start with whatever one you are the most comfortable being on yourself That's so right. that you can be with them. I That's said, right. I can't tell you which app I said, but if you're very, very familiar with Instagram and you are engaging on there all the time, then maybe that's yeah. where you start. If you're a sure. TikTok freak and you're there a lot then you start, um, yeah, I think I, I think that's a sound talking about Snapchat, but yeah, I think that's as sound advice as you can give. And and, um, you know, it, yeah, and it's it's just hard because they're going to want to be on all of them. And it's yeah, that's it's a uh, it's a lose, lose, lose uh, equation for that question. But you do you would have to start somewhere. And and I think your cigarette analogy is about as apt as any. And so 
um, yeah, I, I do think that wherever the parents most comfortable with themselves is probably the best place to start. But yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Where do you see us? Uh, this question just came to mind. I had not prepared to this, but where do you see us going with social media in the next few years? I mean, how, how do you think this is going to play out? Uh, um, a, a yeah, soothsayer I, here. yeah, I hate to be and sound negative, uh, but I think it's only going to get worse. Um, meaning like, I think the mental health problems are only going to get worse. I think we are going to head into a sort of tragic situation. Like you've kind of said, as far as mental health is concerned. Um, I, I think that the government will be compelled to act in some way. Um, once they get their head out of the sand and every time they have these leaders before them asking, why are you censoring X, Y, Z? Maybe they'll start asking real questions, you know, about the mental health of teenagers and stuff. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's only going to get worse for a while. However, I am optimistic and I've said this for a bit. Um, I am optimistic in for this reason. Uh, like, I think, I think it's going to like get worse, get worse, get worse, and then start maybe getting marginally better in maybe a decade. And here's why kids who are teenagers today and especially those who are like in college now. So, you know, like those who are maybe tw and, and just at it like 20 to 24, um, kind of call it the Instagram generation, the, the people who their first social media platform was Instagram. Um, so those who are in college, maybe just out of college and, and like later in high school, um, they're among the last who have parents who never had social media as teenagers. So like I have friends, this, let me, let me make this like less theoretical, more practical and make it easier to understand. So like I serve in the student ministry at my church and we have sixth through 12th graders hmm. and for virtually all of them, especially the older ones, their parents did not use social media as teenagers because it didn't exist. Um, they like Facebook came out when they were in college or even a little bit older. And so most of the parents of the teenagers that I talk to don't know what it's like to be 14 with social media because they never had to experience it before. Um, and so they're, they're parenting as best as they can, but parenting from a position of, of ignorance in a way in that they, like mm -hmm. they can't empathize with what it's like to be on social media as a 14, 15, 16 year old. They simply don't know that pressure. It's they, it is unknown to them. They may know similar pressures, but they don't know that pressure um, or the experiences that come with that. Like feeling like you're constantly under social stage lights and you can never retreat and let your hair down socially and, and feel comfortable in your own skin. Like you always feel like you're, they don't know what that feels like as a 14, 15, 16 year old. However, in 10 years or so, give or take a few, there will no there will no longer ever be a generation of parents who do not know what it's like to be a teenager on social media because like i'm 32 i grew up with myspace and it wasn't when i was in middle school and facebook when i was in high school and all the like so i was like on the front lines of social media as a kid like all of those social media platforms were marketed to me like i was the target audience as these things were being created so i know what it's like to be a teenager with social media i do uh, a little, a little bit. Um, I didn't have it in my pocket quite as much because smartphones weren't as big of a thing when I was in high school. The iPhone came out when I was a junior, but I do know the kind of after-school social pressure that comes that came with social media as as recent, you know, as high school. So, 
when my daughter, who's almost three, becomes thir- you know turns 13 and could theoretically log on to these apps if the age gate is where it is today. And let's pretend for a second that I would let her on, fat chance, but let's say everything's the same and I would let her on Instagram when she's 13. I would at least know from experience what it's like to be a teenager with social media and the pressure that comes with that. Like I, I remember, obviously I know it because I study it right now, but like I right, would, I, I would yeah. be able to refer back to my learned experience. But like a parent of a 13 year old today has no conception of what it's like to be a 13 year old with Instagram. They, they, they have no category for that. And so they feel like they're like, that's why I talk to parents today. They're like, I don't know how to parent this. Like, I don't know what this feels like. I don't know how, like, Mm -hmm. they don't count that cost of what it means to not have it because they never had to experience that. And so my hope is the reason I am a little bit optimistic that it's not just going to keep getting worse forever, but that we may, we may get to a point where it starts to get a little bit better is in a decade, give or take a few years, we will have an entire crop of parents who who suffered through social media as an adolescent, who can kind of maybe empathize with their teenagers, who will likely be going through something similar, albeit probably on three or four different apps than the ones we're talking about today. And so that's why I am a little bit optimistic is that, um, especially with regard to teenagers, that we're dealing with right now a generation of young people whose parents cannot understand what they're experiencing, kind of. Mm -hmm. And in a decade or so, that problem may be remedied to some extent. <clears throat> to kind of put that into perspective for generational names, <clears throat> typically the parents of a particular generation are a are two generations ahead. Okay, so I'm a I'm an Xer. My kids are Zs. Uh, you're a millennial. My guess would be your parents were baby boomers. Just just to guess on it and stuff. So as a millennial, your kids are going to be as by and large are going to be alpha gen alpha that new generation coming along which are about 10 years old now depending on what day you define that kind of stuff and 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 uh, if, if you'd like to download an ebook i'll have one out pretty quickly on the generation <laughs> i was working on that uh but the uh so that does so we're talking about gen alpha in the next group which will probably be called betas because we're getting very uncreative on our names now but you know as as we go forward so the alphas and the betas will be the ones who have parents who are millennials older gen zers by by and large that understand this concept i hadn't thought about that chris that's pretty brilliant actually um yeah i i think i think that's a major factor i'm not saying it's going to solve everything no, yeah, but I, I think agree. So, social media literacy is, I think, only going to improve. Um, and so my hope is that that helps young people moving forward. That I think you're right. I think you're completely right on that. I mean, you know, social media is across all generations. I mean, I think we've all seen the commercial before where the commercial where they couple says they've got ants and one of the ants is they were there say hey did you get my facebook re- friend request you could tell the guy didn't want to do it so it's it's generational now but it is really concentrated on it um, i do yeah. like what you said too about the fact we're going to be dealing with two or three apps that we don't have now um, i did a round table last year when we completed our series i did a round table with some uh gen zers and said hey tell me and we just talked about it and they started mentioning apps that i had never even heard of uh, you know, I was like, where did those come from? You, you guys are connecting with those. Oh yeah. Because my friends have it. And I was getting requested from other folks that, that pre pressure bullying. Uh, yep. Of it. And, and those apps still are not mainstream or, or widespread. So, 
Yep. It's it's like it is a you you said it right. It's a complicated issue um, that that we just have to to be patient and navigate on this and fill our toolbox with resources like your upcoming book that that can help them understand this. So if a parent was to get your book, what are they going to glean from it? What are going to be some of the ways it's going to help them? Yeah, I think um, the book is broken down into 13 different topics um, that, you know, you, you might find three of the chapters far more helpful than the other 10, just depending on the nature of your teenager, your um, your stage and where you're at. And then, but, you know, then in three years when your other kid comes up, maybe the maybe three of the other chapters will be helpful. And so the chapters are arranged kind of topically. And then within um, within each chapter, it's it's uh, broken down. It was like, hey, here's. Um, here's how social media warps our understanding of this topic. Here's some mm -hmm. of what scripture says about that. Here's where some common wisdom, what some common wisdom says about that. And here's how I think practically you can push back against how social media negatively affects, you know, our discernment, our ability to discern what's right and wrong or true or untrue. Here's some ways that, you know, um, social media has made it feel like entertainment is the most important thing. You know, how entertained am I is, is like, you know, a, a very common, way we make decisions about what apps to spend time on or things like that. And so, you know, how can we practically push back against the idea that being entertained at all times is the most important thing? Um, and so my hope is that the based on the topic, certain chapters may be more helpful than others for parents, but that you'll find a general, again, like I, I believe strongly that a lot of parents maybe don't understand why their teen finds social media so attractive. Maybe this is a parent who's not addicted to social media and they just can't get why social media is such a big deal for their teenager. There are plenty of parents like that out there too. And my hope is that this book would, this is not a book about teenagers, let me be clear, but I do think obviously because they're the power users of social media, it's particularly applicable to them and parents for teenagers. Um, but my hope is that a parent of a teenager could be like, oh, that's why my kid finds TikTok so interesting or finds just social media in general so enthralling. Now, here's how I could graciously and lovingly kind of push back and, and loosen the grip of social media around that, this particular topic or, or theme in my child's life. I have an entire chapter on how social media shapes our understanding of sex and sexuality, which is a huge cultural yeah. issue right now and on all kinds of fronts. And so, yeah, I really hope to educate leaders and parents and then equip them to with some really practical steps of, hey, here's how you can loosen the grip of social media on the people that you love and and maybe try to disciple them and lead them yourself in this area. Mm. Yeah, it has changed all those aspects uh, of of life that you you talk about um, living peacefully with one another. You know, we're arguing more now. It seems like using platforms as a way to do this and and buying into theories that come left and right all over the place. Um, I have a, I have a, a, a good friend who, who wrote a book where he talks about the fact in that book that Facebook and other things have diminished the word friend, that it does not mean what it did just decades ago or just 10 years ago that it does not mean that anymore. And as such, we don't know how to form relationships with this. Um, the things that, totally. that we try to teach uh, coaches and people who are working with you uh, that, that to focus on when they're working with you, there are three major areas. And I think you could say that, that uh, social media affects all of it. One is their self-image. 
That's a big deal. Second is relationship building. And the third one is finding purpose and the ability to do dreams. And you cover all those uh, uh, in this book as, as it's going through. So uh, I love that it's a resource that can be that can be used uh, effectively in there. Uh, Great. As yeah. it's going forward on that. Uh, and, and, and to our audience, for those who may not be people of faith and they're not coming through this, this book is still very applicable to any aspect so please don't yeah, reject so. it because because we're coming because we are and we talk about that but it's just a part of who are it's our characters who we are so we're going to talk about it yeah if you've been if you're really listening to the show you should know that uh, so you should be listening to it as well yeah my, my hope is that you know you might find some of the examples are like oh this is for a pastor or or whatever but my hope is that it would be um, still helpful you know just you know, pick the meat off and spit out the bones. And, and I, you know, I read plenty of books that way from people who I don't necessarily agree with on various things. And my hope is, yeah, that it would be helpful for folks who may not even share our same foundation, my same foundational belief. And um, I, I would hope that it would still be helpful and practical in some respect for sure. You know, and, and we, the, the system has been set up and I use the word system has been set up such that we really cannot communicate in the fields that we are, unless we're using social media. So folks might look at us and say, Hey, you guys are hypocrites. You're talking about the negativity of how it's changing us. It's doing this stuff, but you're promoting your products and reaching out to people on social media. So that's why I love what you're saying is we got to learn to live in, in the culture that's around us. Yeah, I, I am. Um, a lot of folks ask this question, especially with regard to my last book, like, were you anti-social media? I'm like, no, I, I think social media can be used for great good. I love it. I enjoy so many aspects of it. I am a an, an avid TikToker myself. I don't create content. I just like to scroll. Um, and, and I try very hard to not scroll too much on it. Um, but I like Vine was my favorite social media platform ever. So I, I think it really embodies that uh embodies that spirit a lot because it's a very similar platform and um but like i think what we have to remember is social media is not neutral it's not a blank slate it is bent toward brokenness it's bent toward biases like there are biases baked into the algorithms and i don't like a lot of people will get very passionate about political biases i don't even mean just that i just mean all kinds of slants like these things are slanted um, mm -hmm. slanted toward keeping us on them. You know, they're very interested in keeping us on them for as long as possible. And so exactly. if, if we just let ourselves be carried along, if we let the way I've often described it is we can't just let social media happen to us. We have to own our relationship with social media. And so that's why I don't think it's all bad. I don't think it's a, it's, it's like never, you should never use it. I think there's plenty of good. I maintain a lot of friendships with people across the country and the world on social media. I think there's tremendously helpful uses, but I think that if we just kind of let it happen to us and we don't go into it with a plan with some, maybe accountability of somebody who can say, Hey, I've seen, I've seen you posting on Facebook, like every three hours, you got to back it off, bro. Like, you know, we got to have people who can come alongside us. We have to have some safeguards in place for whether it's, you know, keeping us from viewing certain content or spending too much time. That's like iPhones are great. I'm, I'm sure Android have it too, where you can set time limits for apps. Like we should yes. be using every, we should be using every means available to have a healthy relationship with social media. And my, my, advocacy is not never use it so much as just use it with some thought. Um, and so do everything you can to use it thoughtfully and intentionally rather than just let it happen to you. 
And you talk about uh, iPhones and Androids having those limits that you, or reminders to get off of it on certain things. I saw t- just today where TikTok is introducing a feature where under a certain age, they'll limit uses. Now, this is a voluntarily opt-in function. So parents are going to have to be proactive on it if they're letting them use it. But it was limiting. And I don't remember the specifics. I just It was just a passing review, but it made me think of our conversation today. Of, of limiting have you seen that where they're they're having a feature yeah. where i think it'll limit them an hour or two hours or two hours I yeah i just i just that. saw a couple i caught i saw a couple headlines about it um i haven't read the articles yet i've been kind of busy today but um yeah i think that's cool and i think we want more of that i think what we need to be sure of is that this isn't just kind of lip service right like we need to because right. plat- platforms have done this in the past where they they say we're going to enable this thing but then they you know they figure out some way to kind of make it not work how it should or whatever and so i think we should always the, all of these platforms. I hate to lump them all together, but this is it is true of all of them, as far as I can think. Um, we should always welcome new features like this with open arms, with the understanding that uh, they may not be quite as they seem, and so we should always be a bit guarded and not. Uh, these these platforms have routinely demonstrated that they shouldn't be totally trusted, and so we should always walk in, you know, examine these features, say, okay, that's a nice new feature. Uh, but let's figure out, is there, is there another side to this? Is there, mm-hmm. I'm not saying to always be always, we, we should be vigilant. We should be vigilant is the, is the best way I would describe it. Not necessarily always looking for the negative, but we should be aware that there's often more that meets the eye with some of these things and that we should just be vigilant about it. Our conversation today has made me think of how many parallels there is between this and the battles that we had just two decades ago with tobacco. As we brought big tobacco in front and we were shocked to find out that they put addictive qualities in their product because they wanted people to do this. It's the same with social media companies. They have put intentionally addictive qualities in there because time on their platform means more money to them. And I don't think there's anything inherently evil about that concept. It's the naive naivety of people not understanding that's what they're there for. They're not there for your benefit. They're there at the end of the day to make a dollar. If they make a dollar, the longer you stay on. That's just right. Understanding that. So that's right. So, we have to realize that our, our values in social media platforms values often don't align. So how can our audience uh, grab a hold of this book, get in touch with you, learn more about what's going on? How can they do this? Sure. So my newsletter is at termsofservice.social. Um, you can find my twice-weekly newsletter there. Uh, you can find the book, The Wolf in Their Pockets, probably wherever you get books. Uh, Amazon's the most common place. So if you want to get it there, totally great. Uh, Moody Publ- The publisher's website, moodypublishers.org, will have the book available. Probably at a little bit more, a little bit of a discount compared to Amazon, though you'll probably have to pay for shipping. I think um, there are benefits if you were to order in bulk there versus Amazon. So that's something to consider if you're getting it for a church or a group of parents or something. Um, but yeah, Amazon's fine. Uh, wherever you want to buy books, you should be able to find it. And uh, worst case scenario, just reach out to me and I'm sure I can get you one um, from my from my little stash that I have. But yeah, that's, that's the best place to find me. Well, listen, so I want to tell you guys, you really need to get on his newsletter. And I'm not just saying this because you're the guest, but you do a very, very good job of arranging that newsletter in an engaging manner that keeps you keeps it yourself on there and makes you want to click the, the links to the deeper articles. And, and I find myself looking forward to getting those um, and, and diving into those. Uh, as I'm sitting there, you know, my wife... <laughs> 
Moffat gets kind of annoyed to the fact that I'm like, hey, have you heard about this? And going over to this, she was like, what, have you got that terms thing again up again? I was like, yeah, it's going over here. Uh, and, you know, I'm flipping That's through funny. trying to get to the I... answer to the trivia question at the bottom. Yeah, I've heard that people like that little feature. There's a fun little uh, trivia question I added for it's not even related for anyone listening. It's not not even related to social media. It's just usually like I ran I think of some random topic and Google up some some trivia on it. But uh, yeah, that's I apologize to your wife for for being that guy. But uh, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you uh, find it helpful. It's always I do. I really nice do appreciate hear. it. Yeah. All right. Before we get off and, and I thank everybody for this and they tell me how to get on this. Uh, I am a huge, massive baseball fan. So I have been eyeing your picture and your stadium seats back there. What's your team? I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. I thought as much. I thought as much yes. as well. So, yeah, so these uh, these seats in our video are, are straight from Wrigley Field, and that is Wrigley Field really? up there in the picture. And, mm-hmm. and then this, if you can see over my over, over this shoulder, the forty four here, uh, yeah, that's an Anthony Rizzo jersey. So uh, from from back when he was with the Cubs over there. So yeah. Oh, and there's some yep, tickets Cub- up there on the top shelf. So yeah, cool. yeah. So this is uh this is a fun little story. I'll tell it quickly. Um, the first time I ever sat in the bleachers at Wrigley Field, Labor Day, twenty twelve. I caught a home run ball uh, from Alfonso Soriano when he was playing for the Cubs. He had a home run and uh, it hit the dude's hands in front. I didn't catch it like out of midair. You know, that would have been cool, but it hit the guy's <laughs> hands in front of me, basically like at my feet. And uh, then it rolled right at my feet and I grabbed it. So yeah, that's, you can see in the, in the shadow box up there, there's a baseball and then the tickets and such from the game. And then this, um, sorry, this, I'm trying to figure out where I'm pointing. This is first base from a Cubs game that I got after oh, a game one time. I didn't even um, realize that was the first base. Yeah. Right there. Okay. Yep. That's the first base. So I, I, I love having some Cubs memorabilia around. There's some others around the room that you can't see, but uh, yeah, big I Cubs fan. Were, and, I... and we're. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I, was, I, I, was gonna... I used to coach a, a, a youth team that was the Cubs. And so I have all this oh, Cubs paraphernalia that I, uh, instead of wearing their dumb little jerseys and stuff that they had, I actually <laughs> bought you know, a bunch of Cubs stuff to wear uh, as nice. going forward and, and the big C hat on that. Uh, cool. So I should have, if I had known that, I would have worn that just to, just yeah. to be in, in yeah. synergy, just to have some synergy. All right, 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 right. Even great. though I am a Braves guy. so yeah. Hey, Braves are great. And I, I loved uh, – I'm, I'm sad he's not there with you anymore. I love Freddie Freeman. And now we have Dansby. So we have a bit of a connection. And um, But yeah, so that's cool. Well, audience, thank you for sticking with us. Listen, someone that you know needs to hear this episode. So please like and share and comment on this. It helps with our algorithms as, as we talk more about social media. We want to make sure it gets out. Share this with your people uh, on social media so they can come here and learn some about social media. What are they circle i just made of that uh, connection there going forward chris thank you again for your time I, I love our conversations um it's something i'm really passionate about about how it's working with youth and how it's affecting them and how we can equip parents and those who lead youth effectively to help them through this to help them manage this uh, as as we do see such a severe case of of of, of of their mental health rising. So thank you again for your time today. Sure. Glad, glad to help. And I, I hope people are helped by it and uh, have a great, have a great time. Uh, I think you're launching a book here pretty soon. So have a great time with that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's a little hint to the group. Bob. Uh, we are launching yeah. a book. It'll be a month after this podcast is, it's about the time that it'll be out as well. And we'll, we'll share some more information on that as well. So thank you for, 
for plugging that as sure. well. Show. Yeah, right. of course. Thank you again. And thank you audience. And we'll see you again soon again on the Gen Z show. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.